Welcome to episode 7 of Bedtime Stories for Grown-Ups, a podcast that is meant to be your guide into dreamland. Hopefully, you'll never hear the end of it. Once upon a time, if you were lucky, someone told you bedtime stories. Maybe someone read you books, or the same favorite book over and over. Or maybe someone made up your bedtime stories, telling you nonsensical things until you closed your eyes and drifted into sleep. These bedtime stories are the whimsical made-up kind, little snippets from dreamland to guide you there. There is no plot to follow, no sense to make of anything, just a sequence of images from beyond the consciousness of day to help you drift, let go, and fall blissfully into sleep. We come to a place where there is a guide giving a tour of some new work on display in a gallery. Everyone is crowding in to see it, but we hang back. We climb to the other small exhibit space up at the top of the stairs, because there is no one there. Everything in this space is gold. It is all quite ornate and impressive but it bores us, really. Still, it is good to look at it while everyone else is crammed into the other exhibit space. When they finally leave, we go to have a look. It is new folk art, old styles, new media, that kind of thing. Is this a necklace? A breastplate? We can't tell. It looks like an animal carved out of cedar attached to a silver chain. When we've had enough of the exhibit, we go up to the big house. Everyone is taking L-tryptophan, and we take it too, because it is that time of year. We are all hallucinating together, and then we all drift off to sleep. That L-tryptophan is some pretty powerful stuff. We meet a guy who says he came here because he wants to learn to fly. We tell him that we learn to fly by throwing ourselves out of trees. He said that he did that at first, but it doesn't work for him anymore. 
and now he wants proper training. First of all, you have to start with the right kind of yoga mat, we say. And I suppose I am trying to impress him or something, because I grab a yoga mat and lie on my stomach and start hovering. And then I take off. It would be fun to do a circuit of the whole school, but there are a lot of power lines in the way. It's much better to fly around where there are no power lines or barbed wire fences, so I change direction. I see a couple of beautiful feathers fluttering to the ground and I swoop down to pick them up. A big feather and a small feather. Perfect. I land gently now because I need to find a special place to put these feathers for safekeeping. The Gulf of Mexico is on the second floor. We didn't know that. We have walked past this escalator so many times and we had no idea that this was the way to the Gulf of Mexico. We want to go and check it out. We are getting our bathing suits. Can we swim there? Or is it still polluted with oil from that big blowout a few years ago? Now we are in a rowboat. The water is so inviting. It is not too deep, but definitely deep enough to swim. And it is a beautiful color. We plunge in. Swimming is wonderful. We are frolicking about like seals. We can't believe the color of the water. We can't believe that our neighborhood has turned into an archipelago of islands amid turquoise seas, waterfalls, and rivers. There are little islets everywhere and people are having picnics. We are ecstatic. But then we notice that our dinghy is floating away. We are trying to swim back to the boat, but she keeps drifting farther away. Finally, we are back in our boat, but we only have one oar. We paddle until we find the other oar, but it seems we have lost the oar locks. We need to pull the boat up on some land. We find a spot near a group of family and friends. We notice one of the young women has one of the oar locks attached to her bathing suit like a starfish. We point it out and she pulls it off and hands it to us. She hadn't even noticed. Okay, so now we have one oar lock but we still need to find the other one if we want to go anywhere other than around and around in circles. Somehow, we all lose each other. This is not good because we don't have cell phones. We don't have a plan and we don't have an emergency rendezvous point. It is much too early to go back to the hotel, 
will we be able to find everyone? We stay close to the riverbank where we can see all three bridges. We find ourselves in a beautiful castle-like structure, built out of stone, with winding rounded walls, grand staircases, and beautiful chandeliers. We can hear music coming from somewhere. This must be a theater. What a beautiful space. There's a big lineup of tourists waiting to cross the pedestrian bridge. The line is hardly moving. Why is that? It is because there are a couple of tourist attractions on the bridge. One of the attractions is called Storytellers. That is what this lineup is for. Look, there is the office of the CEO of Storytellers. It is underneath the stairs over on the other side. It is a bit of a hole in the wall, really, with broken and dusty blinds on the window that overlooks the massive lineup of tourists waiting to get in. It is not what you would expect for a CEO's office. But then everything has gone into enhancing the experience for the tourists. Good on them for cutting expenses on their own offices. It would be better if it was hidden from our view, though. But maybe they like monitoring the crowds. We all had our places in the rowboat. We were on a journey and we had arrived on the last day. We made our way to the front of the boat not to be out of place, but to help get us out of the shallows. We used the oars as poles to push us along, away from the shallows and the shore. It didn't take much to get us toward the really busy shipping lanes. There were so many big freighters and ferries and enormous cruise ships coming and going. This was going to be scary to navigate. But we all had our places in the rowboat. There is this really sweet pet river otter. He is domesticated. He is much smaller than the sea otters. We are patting him and scratching around his ears and whiskers. Wait, he is actually quite big, and he is not shy at all. He is rather outgoing, almost aggressively so. Now he is leaping out of the water, and now that he is standing up beside us, we can see that he is the same size as us. He has his arms around us and he is all muscle. We can feel how strong he is. He could easily pull us into the water with him. But he doesn't. He just stands beside us on the dock with his arms around us, smiling for the cameras, momentarily imprisoning us, truth be told. He 
He is that strong. But then he lets go and dives back into the water. We are relieved. And also we are now covered in orange fur. We can't seem to get the fur off. Is that Ryan's fur? Someone asks. We didn't know the otter's name was Ryan. Or maybe we did. Just leave it, she says. You will never get it off by trying to. But you will shed it off, eventually. A woman is offering us a cigarette. It is very thin, like one of those Indian cigarettes. But when she goes to light it, she gets into an argument with her spouse and she starts flailing her arms around and then her hair catches on fire. We manage to put the fire out before it does too much damage. Where are we now? We are in Africa. Africa? How did we get to Africa? Where are we exactly? In Africa, I mean, if we were looking at a map of the continent. Here is a map. It looks more like a drawing of an imaginary land from a fantasy novel with illustrations of some of the different flora and fauna in each region. They point to an area in the center. We are here, right in the middle. We are in Central Africa. Now that we know we are in Africa, we can see how different the landscape is from equatorial Asia, which is where we thought we were. It seems much drier for one thing. We are trying to remember exactly where it is we are staying. We think it is just around the corner and down that lane. There are wisps of fences along the roads. These roads are good for feet and hooves, but there are no vehicles here. We are getting a tour of a workplace. There is an Australian man running this slaughterhouse at the moment. They do things differently here. This is not mass-produced agribusiness. They treat the animals humanely for one thing. But we are not sure how humane it is when we see it. The animals are hoisted onto a large hook on a conveyor belt while they are still alive. The hooked animals are mooing and lowing in great distress. They go in one side of the building and just their heads come out on the other side. The cow and sheep heads are still mooing and lowing after the bodies have been removed. It is very disturbing. 
and the hooked hole animals can see and hear the crying heads coming out on the other side of the building as they are going in. The people who work here are used to it. They actually think it is quite humane. There had been flooding. What was usually a field was filled with water. We were swimming with a bunch of animals. A mother cat and her three kittens were swimming just in front of us. We were headed toward a cabin that we could make out on some dry land. There were a lot of other creatures swimming too. We could see river otters and beavers and maybe even some wolverines. There were bears sitting on the cabin porch. One of the animals emerging from the water attacked one of the bears. It was much smaller and the bear fended it off easily. The bear was standing there looking out over the water at all the creatures swimming toward him. He called out to us. Are those creatures you are swimming with vicious? He asked. No, we said. Not these. Maybe the beavers or the otters are the aggressive ones. They are in their element. And then the bear went down on all fours and walked out onto the water. We couldn't believe our eyes. The bear was padding away from us very nonchalant and cool, walking on the water as though it was the most natural thing in the world. He just didn't want to deal with any of the angry and desperate creatures that were swimming for their lives toward him. We are on our way back going a different route again. It seems like we are in an Arab town, but it also seems mostly deserted. There was a great square that we were crossing, but no one was in it. And then we went by what seemed to be an empty marketplace, rows upon rows of empty stalls. Is this the right way? Because we definitely haven't been here before. We round a corner and there is a huge swimming pool situated on the edge of a cliff. It is really beautiful and the views are stunning. Again, there's no one there, except a cow. There's a white-horned cow on the other side of the pool. She seems a little skittish. Then she takes a few tentative steps out over the pool. And now she is walking on water. She is walking toward us across the pool as though it is a field of grass. We look around, hoping that there are other people to share this with, but we are alone. Just as the cow gets to our side of the pool, her hooves do start to sink in a little bit. She's trying to get out of the pool and having trouble with the steps. We should go to help her though we are not sure how. And then we notice the elephants 
They are walking on water too. Is this a mirage? Are we dreaming? The elephants are turning around to trumpet to the little ones to stop lollygagging. We can see the two babies. They are looking at us. They are curious. They are so sweet and we can hug them. But then they suddenly run off after their elders like a couple of playful puppies full of joy. The rain has changed. It doesn't come. It doesn't come. And we wither. The trees are visibly stressed. And the young ones die. Smoke from distant fires scratches at our throats and eyes. And when the rain comes, it falls from the sky like a waterfall, thick and with astonishing force. The rain has changed. We have changed the rain. Thank you for listening. Sweet dreams.